0: and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest in support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. (laughs) <laughs> all right scramble everybody scramble to your seats we're starting good morning happy almost new year's i guess new year's eve however that works you turn this off you always do that val still talking, still talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's The world sees it. It's on the World Wide Web. Val was talking. Uh, (laughs) Well, glad you guys made it. Thanks for those who are watching online. Uh, Let's pause. Let's pray. Hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas, and hope you guys have a, a great New Year's this evening as we get started into the new year. But let's begin right now with prayer. Father, once again, we are grateful for the blessings we enjoy, the life, the friends, the family we have that enrich our time here. Lord, I pray that our time together this morning would be another opportunity for enrichment as we look to you, the author of life, to breathe that Spirit life within us once again. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling with illness at this time, for Gil's brother and others who are sick, that you'd bring healing to them, that you would give them rest and watch over them. Lord, may you continue to use us in the lives of those who are around us to bring about healing and justice. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start by, again, looking back and thanking everyone who has participated with us throughout the past year. Participation, whether listening online, by coming here and attending, by giving financially, we are grateful I'm grateful that you have been on this journey with us, have uh, experienced life with us, and it's our desire to continue doing this together. But I want to acknowledge again all those who have supported Genesis in any of those ways. Thank you for your participation. Um, And I hope that's what it continues to be, is a participation with us and not just something that you tune into. uh, That's something that you can experience and share with others. That's really our desire. Uh, A while back, a few years ago, I was at a conference on communication. And I remember the person who was leading it would have Various people get up and share something that they were trying to communicate. Different topics, and this one person came up and she started sharing on some things that she was kind of working through. And he stopped her and he says, "Okay, I just want to—I want to ask you something before you continue. Um, what's something that brings you joy?" And she kind of was thrown off a little bit. And she says, well, I I think it'd be my kids. And he goes, oh, tell me something about a a memory you have with your kids. And she started sharing this memory she had of her kids. And this smile just came over her face and she just started beaming and telling this story that made her laugh and made her smile and was endearing to her. And then he, he stopped her and he goes, did everyone see that? Did you see the change that happened when she started communicating about something she loved. She goes, now I want you to talk about what you were talking about. And she continued talking about it, but her countenance had changed, right? And the whole idea and what he was trying to convey to us is that when you communicate something that you love, it affects how you are seen. And so I want to start this morning by just asking a question. I want to ask, what brings you life? What's something that enriches your life, that makes you maybe feel happy or maybe even feel challenged? They're usually things that we love. They also might be things that make us feel exhausted. For example, Thursday through Saturday, we had three of our grandchildren with us. Grandchildrens. Grand, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of them, but... We, we had them with us in ages three, five, and seven, staying at our house, living with us for those days. And it was so much fun and it was so exhausting. One of my grandsons learned to ride a bike without training wheels for the first time. And oh man, just watching that take place was exciting. His whole life changed. Right. Before that, he had the training wheels and want to ride your bike? Nah. Every day after getting off those training wheels, I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my, it's like we gave him keys to the car and he was like out of here. Right. He, he had this freedom that he hadn't experienced before. And it was something that just was so much fun to watch. I, I was listening to a podcast uh, by Rob Bell the other day when I was driving out to Apple Valley to do a, a lesson and in the podcast, he was talking about a new book that he wrote. And the book is called Where'd You Park Your Spaceship? And he started talking about how this was a big change for him because if you've known Rob Bell and and we've kind of gone through some of his works and things, some of his videos in the past, everything from Velvet Elvis to, gosh, I don't know what his last book was, Um, but everything is spiritual, I think it was. But it all has to do with, you know, God, the Bible, Jesus, spirituality. And this book isn't in that same vein. And he was talking about how this change for him was a big deal. How just one night he had this thought in his mind, it was basically, where'd you park your spaceship? And he knew the guy who asked the question and he names the guy. All these things just came to him where like, where is this coming from? What's going on? This kind of muse that just presented itself to him. And it said, he said that it was just giving him so much joy. He, he would drop his daughter off at school and then he'd go into his back house and start writing. And it seems like, oh, it's time to pick her up. And it just flew by compared to some of his other writings that were a little bit more laborious. It took a little bit more effort. This was just flowing and it was bringing him life. And he felt like he had made a transition from all the things that had been a part of his life, this kind of spiritual box, we'll call it, to just coming out of that. And of course, it's still going to have the flavor of his life. But he grew up in a religious home, was a pastor, started, you know, speaking publicly on all these things. Uh, our, you know, my friend Conrad, who shared with us. Uh, a while back from Australia, just for a bit, said that Rob Bell is like the gateway drug to, you know, reconstruction or deconstruction. You know, so many people hear him and have to think differently because of how he just provokes some thoughts. And, and he's been doing that for years, but now he's made a change and it was freeing to him. He said he felt like Jesus was like, good, you're doing this now. Wh- which. I related to in understanding that sometimes that change from what is expected can be hard. It, it can feel like something's dying, but as something's dying, something else is giving birth. And, and as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about a, a verse in scripture. And like so many verses in scripture, when they're pulled out just singled by themselves, they're pulled out of context, and we lose the depth and meaning of that verse. And the verse that I want to look at today is John 10.10, something I think you're familiar with. Jesus is speaking and he says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Now, I have been told, and maybe you have too in the past, that the thief is the devil because there's other passages where that connotation is brought there. And so the thief is devil, the devil and he's here to kill you. He's here to destroy you. And he's basically here to take you to hell. And when we've had this in our mind that, you know, the idea of salvation or to be saved is to go to heaven and escape hell. And the idea of judgment is to be condemned and to be sentenced to hell, basically. And in this passage, when we have that kind of, preconceived notion of what these things are, the idea of the devil coming to steal, kill, and destroy us is to take us to hell. But Jesus has come to give us life, and life in abundance is to take us to heaven. And I think we're missing the whole context of what Jesus is trying to communicate here. The context begins in the previous chapter in a very strange and beautiful story. It starts with a man who was born blind and the disciples see him and they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus says, no, it doesn't work like that. Neither his parents or him. He was born this way so that the glory of God could be revealed in him. And you see, they held this idea that we see in the book of Job and Job's friends And that we see still in religious circles today that the reason bad things happen is because people are not doing what God wants them to do. They're displeasing to God. They're living in sin. Something is wrong with them. And that's why they contract certain diseases. And that's why there's earthquakes or tsunamis. It gets blamed on the fact that these people aren't doing what they should be and so God's judgment is upon them. But Jesus here is saying, no, it doesn't work that way. It's not because of what he's done, but God is at work and doing something within him. Recently at a memorial service, I was thinking about the person who'd passed who was a young woman with special needs. And I was thinking about how her life dramatically affected her family in such positive ways. How she shaped the character of her brothers more than probably anyone else in a healthy way, in a good way. And I wondered if, you know, our idea of when you go to heaven, you know, when she gets to heaven, she's going to be healed of, you know, all these disabilities that she held and had. And I wondered, maybe when we get to heaven, we'll be more like her and how she had a positive effect on people than she'll be like us and how she's able to function. I heard a podcast with someone who had disabilities and how they were hurt by the idea that, oh, aren't you gonna be happy when you get to heaven? You'll be able to walk and do these things that you can't do now as if they were less than everyone else now. And Jesus takes this person who was born blind and just says, no, God is at work here in this person. And then he does the strangest thing. He spits in the ground and makes mud and puts it on the guy's eyes. And that's always freaked me out, right? Because you got to have a lot of spit to make mud. And and he does this. And and again, I think things are happening here. It's so interesting, but it's almost like In the very beginning, when God created, there was darkness like this man's blindness. And from the dust of the ground, God brought forth life. And Jesus is doing this recreating work here, reminiscent of creation, bringing light and order from darkness and chaos. And then the blind man, because he was healed on the Sabbath, is brought before the Pharisees He's interrogated and he's harassed. Think about that. Person born blind all of a sudden is able to see and the first thing that happens is that he is interrogated and harassed. Good morning, world travelers. There's no rejoicing. Oh man, you can see. See? The people in power, the religious leaders in power, the first thing they want to do is interrogate him, question him why he was healed on the Sabbath, and then they start harassing him. In chapter 9, verse 24, it says, so a second time they summoned the man who had been blind, born blind and told him, give glory to God. We know that this man, referring to Jesus, is a sinner. This is the second time they've interrogated and they start with, give glory to God. This man's a sinner. How have you been healed? Verse 25, he answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said and you didn't listen, why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And they just explode on him and they kick him out. Those in power did not want to see healing. They wanted to see conformity to their ways. And in their religious system, you don't heal on the Sabbath. That is more important than your healing. And this is an important interaction because it's the contrasting of those who have power and assert their power and care more about maintaining their power than Jesus who cares about healing more than conforming to structures that are put in place. And that's the contrast that we are seeing throughout chapter nine and into chapter 10. And then something beautiful happens in verse 35 of chapter 9. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, Jesus went looking for this guy who had been thrown out. The guy who he had healed, who was blind from birth and was interrogated, was harassed, and kicked out. Jesus went and found him and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. With the verse that we are looking at in John 10, 10 I've come that you might have life and life to the full. We are looking at the story that we just read. We are concluding what Jesus is putting out. And it's important to see that because it has to do with bringing health and life in contrast to controlling and asserting power. In verse 39 of John 9, Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. We have done the scriptures such disservice by reducing Scripture into this simplistic meaning of judgment, hell, saved, heaven, and not realizing that life happens in these ordinary and simple ways. What does it mean when he says, I came into the world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who see will become blind? What's he trying to communicate? They could see, but they were blind to what? People were blind, but were now enabled to see what? Something similar happens in John chapter three. But again, we have to change our perception of what is being said here. In John chapter three, verse 17 this is right after John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. In John three seventeen, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Think of the Pharisees and what we just read. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works might be shown to be accomplished by God. We're seeing the same contrast. Those who are caring more about power and asserting themselves in spite of what it does to others, their deeds are evil. They are in the dark. They want to remain in the dark. They think they see, but Jesus says they're blind. And on the other hand, those who are blind, who don't know that they are loved, Jesus has not come to condemn them, but to bring life to them. And it says that through their deeds, their good deeds, the truth, the light would be seen in them, right? Anyone who lives by the truth and comes to the light, the works are shown and accomplished by God. To the Pharisees, he's saying, you know what you're doing. You're robbing people of their life in order to maintain your power, and that is evil. This is something that is constantly contrasted in scripture. In John 8, 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. Oh, there was the Egyptians, there was the Assyrians, there was the Babylonians, there's the Romans, but okay, have it your way, right? How can you say we will become free? Once again, we see that through Jesus, God is trying to bring freedom. He is trying to bring restoration. He's trying to bring healing. And on the other hand, on the other side of that coin, we have people who are trying to maintain power, trying to control, trying to use people for their own gain. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This is the context Of John. This is what we are trying to get through. These people were trying to kill him. He says, You're trying to kill me. Your father, you're doing the works of your father, and that's trying to kill me. I'm doing the works of my father, and I'm bringing healing. Jesus is contrasted to the powerful and the corrupt who are claiming they have the way to God, but anyone who does not actually care to bring life and healing for people are contrasted to Jesus, who is bringing life and healing to people. And so back in John 10, starting at verse nine, I am the gate, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A pasture is a place where the sheep could thrive, find what they needed to live and be safe. The thief, the Pharisees, those who are controlling, comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, that you could live freely and find pasture. Find what you need that gives you life, that connects you to life, that connects you to life, connects you to God. And let's be clear, there are a lot of things that we enjoy that don't bring us life, right? He didn't say, I've come that you might have fun. Right? because we can do things that aren't good for us that bring fun. But there's a difference, things that bring life, connect us to life itself, connect us to one another, connect us to God. And those are the things he's come to to give us freedom to do, to find the pasture, to be able to explore without the fear of condemnation. Oh no, am I breaking the rules? Back when the pandemic had just started, and things were just so chaotic, and we were scrambling to get online and we weren't sure who was a part of the church anymore and who attended. And and a friend came up to me and he said, You know, you need to stop teaching that Rob Bell stuff and just get back to teaching the Bible. And I was troubled by that because we hadn't done any Rob Bell stuff for years, and I just finished a series on the tapestry of the Gospels that I thought was pretty biblical. And I felt this, you need to conform to this way so that I will continue being a part of what's going on. And I didn't say anything at first, I just listened to them, we were talking on the phone, and I I went home and I just was contemplating What's going on? What, what do I want? Do I want to conform to what some people think I need to be? Or do I want to do what gives me life? What does Jesus want for me? Is, is what I'm doing robbing people? Or is what I'm doing enabling people? And I ended up calling them back and I said, I I can't do that. I I can't do what you're asking of me because I wouldn't be sincere. It'd be disingenuous. I'm not promoting Rob Bell or a a certain person in theology. I I am exploring the life that God gives me. and, And this is what I need to do so I can have life. See, one of the things that brings me joy, like I talked about in the beginning, that brings me life is being able to communicate how I see God at work in my life, in the life of other people, sharing with people that they are loved, that they are cared for, because I believe that's who I see in Jesus. In in contrast to the Pharisees who are wanting to control, this is how we do it. This is who gets in. You don't get in because you're... Born blind, he was defective. He couldn't go into worship. Because you're a woman, you're not part of the priesthood. Because you are all these little obstacles. And I see Jesus come and I see him just tearing these things down. And I like, he's come that we might have life. and We might have it to the full. And I'm excited about that. And this is how I see it unfolding. And and so I want to share These things. I I want to express the things that I see in Jesus because this is who I follow. And it's his ways, it's his truth proclaimed, it's his life expressed. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me, I don't think he's making a narrow path. I think he's actually opening a door and showing us what the way, the truth, and life looks like. Anyone who seeks the truth walks in the light because their deeds are good, and that's where God is being manifested. He who loves God loves his neighbor also because God is love. But we want to restrict, we want to control, and we don't realize that's robbing people of the ability to experience God in day-to-day life in ways that are different maybe than what we thought. I I, I grew up in this faith thinking that if I advance Then I will become a pastor. And pastor was kind of like, this is where you have to be. You know, when you're a pastor, you've reached, you're the CEO or whatever it is. You've kind of made it to that place. You're ordained by God now and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just, this is what it is. And then I started understanding, you know, there are people who I look up to who are not pastors, who aren't a part of a church. But the way I see, God in them through their love for other people is incredible. And it it broke the barrier and the blindness that I had of how God was supposed to work and it opened my eyes to see that God is more. And I remember thinking of my children. I want them to grow up in ministry and I want them to you know, serve in the ministry. And that was just kind of this goal. And then there came a time where I said, you know what, I do not want that for you. I just want you to experience God and live your life. So I have one son who is a pastor and I have another son who just celebrated five years of sobriety. And I'm so proud of both of them i proud of my other kids too, but those do. Yeah. And they bring me life. And it brings joy to my heart to see God at work in so many small ways, bringing healing, bringing sight to help people understand life is beautiful, important. And God is at work in you and wanting to bring life to you. This is the way of Jesus. And so I hope in just looking back at this past year and looking into the new year that we could enjoy the life in abundance that Jesus wants to give that we can be free of the obligations that maybe we're bringing from traditions, from hangups, from this idea of power and control being necessary, that we would allow the freedom that Christ gives that sets us free, that gives us life to be shared among us and bring healing to us. Let's pray. Lord, there are so many ways that I am blind and need you to bring sight to my heart, to my life, how you work, the way things work. So many times I revert back to Job's friends and think, well, bad things happen because you did bad things or, this person's born blind because this person is in this situation because and I, I am putting judgment on things I know nothing about. Help me instead of bringing darkness to bring light, to follow the example of Christ, who's a good shepherd and lays down his life for the sheep who leads us to open pastures where we can graze and we can find life, we can experience life in the freedom of condemnation. Thank you for the example of Christ. May we strive to live in that example and how we think and how we live. And in what we say, it's in Christ's name, amen. May the Lord open our eyes and set us free to live a life in abundance as we follow Christ. Bless you guys, have a happy new year. Thanks for being here, God bless. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.